The following podcast contains explicit content and is not suitable for all listeners. Acid attacks in the UK are a growing epidemic among gang members and other violent crimes due to the ease in which persons can purchase highly concentrated amounts, the sentences that go along with it, and the power attackers feel over their victims. While the government changed the law in 2018 to limit the ability to purchase amounts over 15% concentrate without a license, It's not enough, according to survivor Katie Piper, who, in 2008, was attacked by her ex-boyfriend. Quote, It's a slur that's thrown around on social media as a threat, throwing acid in somebody's face. It's become the weapon of choice for a lot of people because it carries a lesser charge. So I do think the law needs to be updated with a reclassification so that sentencing can be increased. The outcome should be set in stone. There should be a minimum term for this kind of crime. So that's the expectation, end quote. This is the first true crime case I am covering in which the victim did not die. In fact, this incredible woman has gone on to become an advocate for violence against women and burn victims. My podcast aims to shed a light on the abuse, violence, and sexual assault that women endure daily, And this story really highlights these topics. I first learned of Katie Piper on Instagram a few years ago now and deep dived into her story. I know that she is a celebrity now in the UK, but I had not heard of her before stumbling upon her page. So if you're like me, this is the story of Katie Piper. Kate Elizabeth Piper was born on October 12th, 1983, to parents David and Diane Piper in Andover, Hampshire, in England. She has an older brother named Paul and a younger sister named Susie. She grew up in Andover, going to Portway Junior School and then Harrow Way School in her teenage years. Following high school, Katie went on to beautician school because she was very interested in fashion and beauty, and also her father was a barber. In her early 20s, she began modeling and started working quite consistently for, quote, various fashion, glamour, and promotional photo shoots, end quote. She also began doing live events, including a ring card girl at martial arts competitions. This parlayed into what has now become her current career as a television presenter. She began presenting on internet shows, small television channels, and shopping channels. She was busy developing her career and decided to move to the big city of London to pursue more opportunities. Andover is a small town in the county of Hampshire in the English countryside, with 38,290 people as of 2011, whereas London, which is the capital of England and the UK, is located 65 miles or 105 kilometers northeast of Andover, and boasts 8,982,000 people as of 2019. So this was a big change for Katie, and she moved into the area of Golders Green in North London with a few friends. 
I'm not sure how long she had been living in London at the time, but Katie met a man named Daniel Lynch, who was 33 and a martial artist and very into the martial arts scene. The two met on Facebook after Daniel began following Katie's modeling and growing television career and reached out to her. Eventually, they met face-to-face at an event in Reading in Berkshire, where Katie was working, and they hit it off and their relationship began to grow. They spoke a lot over the next two weeks and decided to go on another date. The two went out for dinner and decided to book a hotel room afterwards. This was in the area of Bayswater in West London, so she wasn't far from home, and she says she found it sweet initially that he didn't want her to go home. So she felt safe enough to go to a hotel room and just wanted to keep the night going with a man that she was developing feelings for. But what happened in that hotel room was just the beginning of the nightmare Katie would endure at the hands of a monster. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to my podcast. The concept behind femicide is very close to my heart, and I hope through these stories we can shed a light on the abuse, violence, and sexual assault that women face daily. This podcast is 100% a woman-run operation. I write, record, and edit every single episode myself. As I mentioned, I have recently brought on someone to help with research on some upcoming episodes to help me out and to help continue to share these important stories. But as in today's case, I do also research most episodes myself. So to help support me and my efforts, I have started a Patreon account. And if you aren't familiar with Patreon, it is a membership-based platform designed to allow fans to support and connect with their favorite creators. Sign up today online at patreon.com or via the Patreon app, and I will leave a link in the show notes of this episode. As always, I will be donating 10% of all gifts received and memberships each month to various charities that help support women. The charity I will be donating to for the month of June 2022 is the Canadian Women's Foundation. Quote, The Canadian Women's Foundation is a national leader in the movement for gender equality in Canada. Through funding, research, advocacy, and knowledge sharing, we work to achieve systemic change. End quote. Gifts, while deeply appreciated, are not the only way you can show support. It would mean a lot if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review, as it really helps to bring awareness to these stories. And please don't forget to share with your friends and families because word of mouth is the best review of all. Katie and Daniel checked into the hotel room and once inside, something inside him switched and Katie was raped, beaten, and held captive for eight hours. He also threatened her with a razor blade, threatened to hang her, and he cut her arms. Prior to this, her friends were commenting on his obsessive qualities and how he was acting like her number one fan. Katie says he didn't want her to go out with friends and he started commenting on how he wanted to see her all the time. The night of her first attack in the hotel room was just their second official date and already he'd become obsessive and even told her he loved her. But according to my research, Katie wasn't put off by his intensity at first. She liked it originally and was into him. 
Katie says she declined to have sex with him, and he felt rejected, and that's what led to the attack in the hotel room. When it was over, he drove her home and left. Katie did get treated for her wounds at the hospital, but did not tell them what had occurred or who did it to her. She was fearful of what Daniel would do to her if she told, and so she kept quiet and went back to her apartment. Following the attack, Daniel called incessantly, apologizing, begging, sending messages. He would not stop, would not leave her alone. He was also aggressive, saying he would ruin her, ruin her face. Said things like, how dare you leave me, and it's not that easy to just leave me. It was so intense that Katie felt at a loss of how to leave him and how to get him to go away. She was desperate. Finally, two days later, on March 31st, 2008, he begged her to go to an internet cafe nearby her apartment to read a message from him. He claimed, if she did, that he would leave her alone for good. Again, desperate for some peace, Katie agreed and exited her apartment. She was on the phone with Daniel, who was asking questions about her location and outfit, when another man approached her with outstretched arms and a coffee cup. Initially, she thought he was homeless and asking for money, and so while still on the phone with Daniel, she began looking for change in her bag, when suddenly, the man threw the contents of the coffee cup at her. What 19-year-old Stefan Sylvester actually threw was sulfuric acid which hit Katie on the left side of her face and splashed across her upper body, face, and head. She ran into a nearby cafe and behind the counter, attempting to wash the acid off. Paramedics were called immediately, and Katie's real nightmare began. The video of the attack, which was all caught on CCTV cameras, and the photographs of Katie in the hospital afterwards, are horrific. She was treated at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, and her treatment plan was led by Dr. Mohammed Ali Jawad. She had a groundbreaking surgery in which the skin of her entire face was removed and replaced with matriderm, which is a skin substitute used to create the foundation of a skin graft. While used previously, her surgery was the first of its kind to be done in one operation. But sadly, her operations did not stop there and continue to this day. Most recently, she was in hospital to dilate her esophagus due to her difficulty swallowing food and saliva due to the scarring in her throat from the attack. Quickly, I'd like to remind everyone that I will have photographs up on my Instagram page, at femicide underscore podcast if you're interested. And I would also like to comment that I did try to look up the pronunciation of a lot of these places that I might not be as familiar with or these names that I might not be as familiar with. So I apologize if I still happen to mispronounce anything, but I have tried to look it up to give it my best attempt to pronounce it correctly. In addition to that surgery, she was placed in an induced coma for 12 days and wore skin compression garments and a plastic face mask for 23 hours a day for years. In 2012, she stated in a TV film about her undergoing stem cell surgery in an attempt to recover eyesight in her left eye. 
that this surgery would mean she had undergone 110 surgeries and procedures since the attack. And at that time, it had been just four years. In 2009, Katie started the Katie Piper Foundation, which aims to help other women going through similar circumstances. Their vision statement stating, quote, a brighter future for all survivors of burns and scars, end quote. The website also states the foundation has had support from Simon Cowell to local brownie guide groups. And I'll leave a link in the show notes of this episode if you'd like to learn more or donate to her foundation. But while she was helping others and trying to heal her own scars, she was actually suffering emotionally a great deal. In an interview I found online, she stated how she kept feeling afraid to go out, of being ridiculed for her scars, and of feeling like a prisoner in her own home and body. Quote, When the acid was thrown at me, it felt like I was burning in hell. It was an indescribable, unique, torturous pain. I have lost my future, my career, my spirit, my body, my looks, my dignity, the list goes on. All I am left with is an empty shell. A part of me has died that will never come back. This is worse than death, end quote. She stated that the scars felt like a constant reminder of her attacker and that she was his property because he created her face through the burns. She also stated that she was counting down the years to their release, but felt as though she was the one actually in prison and that her attacker would be freed before she felt free enough to live her life. And then that was a changing moment for her. Her parents also spoke of how they tried to be strict with her and not let her wallow or feel sorry for herself for too long, how they kept trying to get her to move onward. Going back to her statements about sentencing for acid attacks, I agree that the minimum sentencing should be increased. These attacks are lifelong battles for its victims, full of surgeries, pain, and visible reminders. Perpetrators of these crimes should be sentenced to reflect that. And although I have never been through such a harrowing ordeal, nor have I ever had to endure such physical pain, I think that the way Katie eventually moved forward and didn't let her attacker ruin the rest of her life speaks to women from all kinds of abusive relationships, that you can move forward and move on. And while in some instances it can take years, you can get through it. Daniel's emotional torment came after the violent attack, while in other cases it's years prior to the fateful event. But nonetheless, it's a slow and painful buildup. It's emotionally grueling. And if you're lucky, in the end, you get to come out the other side. Katie has most definitely come out the other side, appearing on many television programs, both as an advocate sharing her story and as a presenter, notably becoming a panelist on the talk show Loose Women in 2021. In 2018, she took part in Strictly Come Dancing, which is a UK program similar to Dancing with the Stars in the US. And most recently, she became the face of Pantene in a national campaign. She was even appointed Officer of the Order of the British Empire by the Queen just this past year in 2022 for her foundation's work. Her list of achievements is much larger than what I listed here, 
These are just to name a few. But her biggest accomplishment is that she is now a mother to two children, Bella Elizabeth, who was born in 2014, and Penelope Diane, born in 2017, that she shares with her husband, Richard Sutton, who is a carpenter that she married in 2015. Stefan Sylvester was sentenced to life with a minimum of six years and was released in 2018, but went back to prison due to auto theft before being released again. Daniel Lynch was sentenced to two life sentences and will serve a minimum of 16 years. The judge stating at sentencing that Katie, quote, had a face of pure beauty and that they represented, quote, the face of pure evil. He stated, quote, the facts of this case are chilling and shocking. You planned and then executed an act of pure, calculated, and deliberate evil. You decided to wreck the victim's life by thrusting a full container of sulfuric acid straight into her face from point-blank range. Your conclusion was that if you could not have the victim, you would destroy her, wreck her life, and end her blossoming career. End quote. But try as they might, they didn't win. Katie Piper is no longer in a prison of her attacker's making. She is a bright light leading the way for others, weaving through the darkness of acid attacks, violence against women, and the ongoing pain of burns and scars. She is a beacon of hope and an inspiration to many. Thank you for listening to the story of Katie Piper. I'm your host, Sean Marie. Join me next time for another story.